Welcome to the Bear Essentials Podcast, where the talk is real and hibernating on your goals is not an option. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Charles Wallace. Today's guest does not need much of an introduction. When it comes to health and fitness, he is a household name. Throughout the years, his expertise combined with his engaging personality have allowed him to create some of the best-selling fitness programs on the market. These programs have revolutionized the home fitness industry, and to this day, they continue to have a positive impact on people's lives by helping them reach their health and fitness goals. Please join me in welcoming the creator of P90X, Mr. Tony Horton. Hi, Tony. Hello. Hi, Charles. How are you, my man? Great to be here today. I am fantastic. Tony, I usually, uh, usually I'll have my guests do a little bit of an intro, but considering that I'm speaking to you, um, I was going to, you know, I think everybody knows who you are. Uh, I figured I wanted to start just a little bit different. Okay. Um, little icebreaker. Something, you know, that maybe even people close to you don't realize. Something about interesting. Me. About oh, you. About me. Yeah. About me. Ooh, look at you, Charles. You're coming in from left field, but I'm all right with that. I will not be thrown off. Uh, uh, you know, not everybody knows who I am. Every once in a while, you run into somebody who goes, Tony, who? P90R90Y? What are you talking about? But, but uh, yeah, I mean, 11 plus million copies, I guess, you know, a lot of people do. But um, I, I would say that I'm still to this day uh, still evolving when it comes to me personally dealing with my stress mm. and being, being more present and being more grateful. Those things are all sort of intertwined. Uh, yeah. Those are areas where I still need some work and I, and I, you know, I try to work on them every day and uh, um, but my genetics are not built for being calm <laughs> and being patient and being understanding and all that kind of thing. So uh, these are things that are important, right? Um Patience is a virtue. We all want to be virtuous, I would, I would imagine. And so, yeah, it's kind of handed down from the Hortons. You know what I mean? The English and the, the, English and the Irish are, uh, were, were a pretty aggressive group and uh, handed down from my grandfather and my father and I. And then, you know, my great-grandfather apparently was, was, a, was a pip, put it that way. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm much more mellow than all of them. And I don't have a lot of the... the, the the predetermined opinions about others that they had. I'll put it simply like that. I mean, you probably know what I'm talking about. So I'm very, I'm much more open-minded. I'm, I'm, I'm much more thoughtful. I think I'm a better listener than they certainly maybe were, but I'm a work in progress, man, for sure. Tell you what, you start right off with making me feel better about myself because all the things you just named are things that I continue to work on to this day. So that's, it's nice to hear actually. Um, where, where are you, where are you from Charles? Tony, I'm based in uh, Philadelphia, actually. Um, Philadelphia, Screw buddy. Yeah. Philly, Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, the East, the Northeast. We're a very opinionated, stressed out group of folks up there. That's partly why I moved to Cali, man. It helped me chill out a little bit. Didn't really work initially, but it, it's helped me since. Yeah, I, yeah, I can. I definitely know what you're talking about, and you know. I just turned 50 this year and I say, I feel like I'm finally the calmest I've ever been in my life. So keep it, keep it going. Beautiful, bro. That's great. Yeah. News. Mm. So Tony, I wanted to talk a little bit about to start off, like that people see you now and like what you are and what you can do. Like, could you talk a little bit about your athletic background growing up? Uh, didn't have one really. Uh, my dad was a super jock. You know, he was the captain of the football, baseball, basketball team at Tabor Academy. And, um, and, uh, his dad pushed him pretty hard. Uh, you know, I mean, it was that, it was, you know, you were in the win column or the loss column, and then you did whatever you could to be in the win column as much as possible. But when you were in the loss column, I mean, you know, you made that kind of a life and death situation back in the thirties, forties and fifties, you know, when my dad was, was kind of coming up. Um, and then he didn't like, he didn't like the experience at all. So he backed off on me completely, which I, I would have liked a little bit more guidance. I, I just, he just was like, yeah, he didn't know how to find the happy medium for me. Um, and my dad was on the road a lot with his, with his work. So I didn't really see my dad Monday through Monday through uh, Friday. Um, I saw him on the weekends, but, um, and then I was the only boy and the oldest. So I didn't have any male siblings to kind of, you know, 
kind of work on my athleticism. So I played all the ball sports and, and hockey, you know what I mean? Basketball, football, baseball, and hockey. That, that was it. There was no ninja. There was no parkour. None of that stuff existed back when I was growing up. And so they were all team sports. And, you know, I was, I was a small kid. Uh, I didn't know how to train. I didn't know how to prepare myself. I, either I was good at these things or I wasn't. A lot of kids that were on those teams were naturally pretty athletic from the get-go. Maybe they had, you know, parenting that helped that out or whatever. Um, I just didn't have it. So I went out for the tennis team, didn't make it. I went out for the basketball team, didn't make it. Um, uh, I was, I played Babe Ruth and stuff like that. And I was okay at times as I got older, but, but then, you know, it was time to leave because I was too old. And then I, I made the football team in high school, but I didn't play. I mean, I was a tackling dummy during the week. I wasn't really, a, you know, I, I would play when the score was like 85 to zero. That's when they would put me in. <clears throat> and, uh, so it was very frustrating, you know what I mean? And so uh, I, when I went to college, I took a weightlifting course because um, I thought, okay, this is a, might be a fun thing to do. And, and it all came down to the coach. Like my high school football coach was, was not a dreamy dude at all. He was not, a, he was not a good person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was just, he wanted to get his name in the paper and he wanted, you know, it was all about the wins. And, and he had me on the team just so that other, other players could run over me, which was, I guess, I don't know. Um, I was black and blue the entire time during that time. Um, but I took this weightlifting course and the, and the teacher coach mentor, whatever he was, was just funny. He was just a funny, relatable. He was probably maybe only 10 years older than us. Um, you know, he had some sort of an exercise kinesiology or exercise science degree, and he was just teaching us how to lift weights. And, you know, there was Nautilus back then and the cable machines and, and dumbbells and hack squats and, and some ab stuff, you know what I mean? And, and I just fell in love with it partly because of, you know, it was, the way he broke it down is really simple. You know, I mean, here's what supersetting is, what pyramiding is, you know, here's, you know, what, here's what compound exercises look like. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It was, it didn't, you know, it's not rocket science really. And I just gravitated to it and I got an A and I, I, you know, I, I, those grew and I had pecs maybe for the first time. And my GPA went up that month because obviously I was, I was pulling in a lot of oxygen that was going into my brain that releases all those, you know, powerful, uh, neurotransmitters inside of my brain. Oddly enough, who knew? I was like, I just paid attention more and I showed up the class more. And it was like, I just thought it was coincidence. I was in a better mood. You know what I mean? It was really funny that way. And then I came out to California and, uh, you know, it was all, I was a member of four gyms after the first couple of years, each gym was, one was an aerobics gym, you know, cause it was filled with women. I thought that's a cool thing. Let's go in there. And then I was a member of world gym, which is where Arnold and Lou Ferrigno would work out just because I can join the same gym that Arnold and Lou are in. Well, yeah, yeah, man, I'm going in there. And there was another one called Mesoplex and another one that was, you know, uh, a little different than that. Um, and whenever, depending on my mood or the crowd I wanted to be around and I was just training because I had an agent, I was a young actor and my agent said, you know, you're looking, cause after I took that weightlifting course in college, my sophomore year and then junior and senior year, it was all, you know, drinking beer and smoking weed mostly. <laughs> and, um, it was the seventies, man. Um, so, uh, and then I came out here and I went, I got to get going. And the agent said, get in shape. So I just started to, and, um. And, you know, I still played hoop and I still played tennis and I still played sand, sandlot football. I love the ball sports, but I didn't get introduced to a lot of the things I'm doing now. Like probably in the last 10 to 15 years, a lot of the way I train now is, is completely different than the, than the cardio and the weightlifting, which was mm -hmm. like, which is what most people are still stuck in that modality. You know what I mean? Which is nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? But there's, there's so much more out there that is more athletic, more skill-based. And that's where I live now, especially as a guy who's going to be 64 in a month. Um, yeah, that's kind of my story. Well, I'll tell you what, Tony, I always, always look to you as far as age. And I say, you know what, I'm, I want to look like that when I'm 64, 65. I don't look like that at 50, but it's, it's definitely <laughs> something to shoot for. So when you tell that story, did you start out as a trainer on purpose or was it more of an accident? No, total freak show. Not, not even on my, on the, my radar. You know, when I came out to Cali, I didn't have a job. I ran out of money in Boulder, Colorado. I was a, I was a trained pantomime. And I used to do these very um, irreverent, explicit, animated mime shows back in Rhode Island, which were a big hit. Uh, stuff that I was on stage now, I'd probably be arrested. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was really pretty gross and pretty hilarious at the same time. You know what I mean? Forget about George Carlin or, or, or uh, what was the other guy um, used to get arrested all the time doing stand-up. Richard Pryor. Uh, no, Pryor. Yeah. I mean, it was more, more physical though. Like I was a physical comic 
you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a wordsmith. I mean, I'm more of a wordsmith now than I was back then, but I just did these really outrageous physical things on stage, uh, which for a college audience was great. You know what I mean? And they were all drunk or high watching me be, you know, and I would crank the Beatles or this, this French, uh, uh, acid jazz musician named um, Jean-Luc Panté. Google that, play some mm. of that music. It's cool stuff. And I would mix these two songs and I'd crank up the music and I'd get up on stage. I'd do these wild things. Um, and, uh, you know, that's how I started to make a living initially. Uh, but then I came out here and then when I ran out of money, which was all the time, I would throw on the, the mime makeup and the outfit and I'd put the hat down on the, whether in, 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 in Westwood near UCLA or on the Santa Monica Pier or the Huntington Pier or the Hermosa Pier, whatever pier I could get on. Um, and I'd make whatever amount, as much money as I could. I would usually crap out around $25. And then I would go to the local uh, liquor store at the corner where I lived and I would just buy yogurt and Cheerios because I could get a lot of that. And I would eat yogurt and Cheerios for breakfast, lunch and dinner. You know, and uh, seemed enough, you know, it's like oh, nutrition, whatever it's food, I'll eat it and it keeps me alive. Um, and then I was waiting tables and I was a, an assistant manager at the Oak Tree Men's Clothing Store. And I would I was a bartender and I was a I would go to Vegas on these with like 50 to 100 other actors. And I would do these you know, like these mime statue things on at big events. You know what I mean? I, I would play the human Oscar standing mm. there, you know what I mean? Frozen for two hours on the end of a stage. Whatever paid me money, man. I was a go-go dancer at Chippendales for a summer. I mean, whatever. You know, I was a pretty good. I was a pretty good dancer because you know I was a young kid with a speech impediment. So the only way I could kind of be able to, the only way I thought I was relatable was by being, you know, going to the, going to the high school dances and popping and locking and you know doing all that stuff and mm. whatever, or or being funny. You know what I mean? And that took me out of my kind of nervous general state of mind, which is what I was in most of the time. Um, yeah, so I had every odd job in the world. And the only reason why I became a trainer is because my agent said, get in shape. So I joined these gyms. And at that point I had a, I had, I had the miming job and I had the carpentry things, but I had, I had a job as a PA at 20th Century Fox, um, over on Pico Boulevard here in LA, you know, it's a big movie studio and then movie stars are everywhere. And I got a job as a, as a PA for Julia Phillips and her and her husband, her then ex-husband, had produced uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Taxi Driver with De Niro, and The Sting mm. with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And like, wow, this is really cool. So I'm running all over town, you know, whatever, feeding the cat and doing laundry and delivering scripts and making coffee and whatever the heck we would, they'd have me do. And her partner at that time was formerly in the music industry, a guy by the name of Harlan Goodman. And Harlan was noting my transformation. Like he hired me as a pudgy skinny kid. And then about four or five months in, I was a more muscular, less pudgy, skinny kid. And uh, I didn't tell him where I was, I was working out in these various gyms. I was just, you know, I'd go to the gym and I'd go to work and that was it. And the job was super stressful because, you know, you're trying to make a film on it and, and it's just not easy. And they were not, they were having a very tough time of it. I didn't know, but, you know, they were had all these projects and none of, none of these movies got made. And then, you know, then I had, then I was, you know, then he said, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, I'm working out. And he said, can you, I got to wait to lose some weight. So he had about 35 to 40 pounds to lose. So he and I, before we both went to work for Julia, who was pretty crazy, um, <laughs> would go into my, in, into our buddy's garage gym and I would train him in the morning. I work out with him a lot of times or, or whatever, you know, and then, and then, um, and then after people were noticing his changes, I was training like a secretary on the lot and I was training one of, one of uh, the, uh, one of the people, friend of his, and it's like, oh, I guess I'm a trainer now. I don't know. I wasn't certified. I didn't know what I was doing. But I mean, I was a member of four different gyms. I was very, you know, I was watching Lou and I was watching Arnold and I was watching these aerobic instructors and I was, you know, learning just kind of by being there and, and witnessing it all. And then he lost all this weight and he just got sick and tired of trying to make a movie and he couldn't. So he went back to East End Management on Sunset Boulevard and they managed Tom Petty and Billy Idol and Tracy Allman and Rob Lowe, I think was their their little quiver of, of performers and, and actors. And uh, so uh, I quit. When he quit, I quit. I couldn't work with her anymore without him there because he was my buffer. I mean, she'd fire me every Friday night and he'd call me up and rehire me every Sunday night. You know, I was like, you're not fire. I know you didn't change the light bulb at the bottom of the driveway. It's not the end of the world. Just come to work. You know what I mean? <sighs> you know, whatever. <laughs> and so, uh, and now I'm a carpenter, handyman, mime, uh, trainer, right? I had all these different jobs all at once. And then one day, you know, 40, 40 pounds down, he's walking down the hallway, you know, they, he crawled back on his hands, his knees to get his old job back. 
at East End. And um, Tom Petty's walking down the hallway in the opposite direction. He's got a cigarette because Tom liked to smoke cigarettes. And he looked at Harlan. He said, Harlan, holy crap, you look fantastic. I'm going on tour in four months and I'm fat. Nobody likes a fat rocker, you know. And Harlan says, call Tony Horton. And, the, and uh, so my roommate, Bob, who I came out to California with in 1980, picked up the phone and we had some pranksters downstairs, uh, JP and, and Jim, who lived down below, guys from San Diego. Um, uh, and uh, he said, hey, man, there's a guy saying he's Tom Petty. And I went, it's not Tom Petty. Hang up the phone. Click. <laughs> so so my roommate, Bob, hung up the phone on Tom Petty. He called back seconds later. Hey, we got disconnected. My name is Tom Petty. I'm looking for, and Bob looks at me and goes, dude, this is, I think it's Tom Petty. And I write about it in my book, the big picture, but um, yeah. So I pick up the phone and it was Tom and Hey man, and he told me the whole story about going on tour. So I went to his house literally the next day. And uh, you know, this is a groovy place in Woodland Hills, the view of the whole Valley, all the golden platinum records on the wall and met his wife and his kids were like, Kim and Adria were three and five or six or something. They were just little tots, you know, and mm. I had him four months and I got him in killer shape and, he went off on tour and then he called my parents' house in Rhode Island. I was there for the 4th of July. How the hell he got that number? I do not know. This is before cell phones. There's no such thing. And uh, my mother comes running down the hall. Tom Petty's on the phone for you. And I ran, hey, I'm getting fat again. You want to come on tour with me? So um, it was just a great relationship. And he was out on tour and he was wearing sleeveless. Like he was wearing a vest with no shirt. And he had all his shirts. He was cutting off the sleeves because he was, you know, and everybody was just like, and his sets was strong and his, his, his voice was strong and he was just, he was killing it, man. And so then Billy Idol called me and then Annie Lennox and then Stephen Stills from Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and then Lindsey Buckingham and then Stevie Nicks and then The Boss. I trained um, uh, Patty Scalfa for a while before, because The Boss was like, he had his guy in Jersey, you know what I mean? He would work out by himself with his, his book, right? And then, and then uh, I went to Bruce's, concert at the Staples Center, you know, where the, where the Lakers used to play, you know, because I, I was training his wife, so I got pretty good seats. And so that night, apparently, because my buddy was there, my, the reason why I got that gig is because my buddy was their assistant and chauffeur kind of combo guy. And I guess they were in bed, Patty and Bruce, and they were flipping channels. And there I was in an infomercial. And then I guess Bruce turned to Patty and went, hey, um, isn't that your, isn't that your, your trainer, Tony Orton? Goes, yeah. Can I work out with him? You know what I mean? So my buddy Tom, who worked for him, said, Bruce saw you on the TV and wanted to work out with you. So that was pretty funny. And so he and I, and Patty comes out in street clothes that day. I'm like, uh-oh, she's forgot that we're training or whatever. She comes out and says, hey, do you want to work with Bruce today? <laughs> you know, I've already worked with Idol and Annie Lennox and been Petty, but man, it was the boss, right? And, and uh, you know, we went to his gym um and hung out and i turned him on to some stuff that he had never done like flexibility stuff and yoga stuff and i got him a heart monitor and and i really you know i turned him on to some because he was just lifting weights and lifting weights and lifting weights which is great but i got him into some other stuff and uh so whenever they came to town because they lived in jersey they had this place here too so here's a long winded answer that's how it all got started but i was still broke i was still you know living in a van down by the river um or i should say a crappy little apartment in santa monica with a broken down car but that's, you know, I was driving all over town, Malibu, Culver City, Hollywood, the Valley, like ding, 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 living on power bars between client and client, getting up at five, coming home at nine. You know what I mean? It was, it was better than, you know, doing mime at the pier. That's for sure. I got to tell you, when you were telling that story, I forgot for a couple seconds that I was trying to host a show here. So um, apologize <laughs> if it looked like I was not paying attention. No, to you know what? You're a great I, listener, Charles. So. I am. I just, and when you said about your mom running down the hall, right? I was envisioning my mom because I told her I was interviewing you and I told her about, I knew about Tom Petty. I told her that and, you know, no offense to the fitness stuff, right, Tony, but the Tom Petty that, you know, my mom was like, oh, tell me more about that. So, mm. wow, that's, I that's got, pretty. I got, pretty so good. I could write a book. Everyone's going to have to pass away before I write this book though, I'll tell you. But so, yeah, well, I'll, yeah, you know. I'll read it if I'm still around. Trust me. That that's you will be. You will be. Um, You're only 50. You're a kid. Right. Um, So when you telling that story and talking through it, though, right. So obviously you're you're fit. Right. But it almost like so early on. 
would you say that it was more important to maybe look the part as opposed to really like knowing knowing about fitness right was it more important in your case to actually look the part to look in shape and that kind of helped you get some of these clients uh, yeah, that helped. That helped that I looked at for absolutely. I mean, you know, if I if I was a lot of trainers on on pro teams, it's like, wow, man, what happened to you in the last 20 years? They just look like hell. Mm. Um, I, and back in those days, I was working out for it was all ego based. It was all about aesthetics. Like, you know, this, how big is my chest? What do my arms look like? Do I have a six pack? You know, what's my booty look like? Well, how about my quads? I mean, I had quads like like tree trunks. Cause I was in the gym for two and a half hours, just doing, you know, leg extensions and hack squats and, and, and leg curls and calf raises. And, you know, I mean, I was just in there, you know, and I had a little, had a little book and I was tracking my, you know, more getting bigger and bigger. But it was all about beginning big and everybody's like, how, how do I get bigger? Are you on a professional football team or do you play lacrosse or why do you want like these 42 year old fathers of four, they wanted, why do you want to be big dude? Like you're married, you've got kids. How about being healthy? So the healthy thing, came decades later for me. Um, and, and when I had these celebrities, right, they were especially the rockers and, and people that were, you know, pretty thick, active on films. It was about making them look a certain way. So there was all that. And then it was also their stamina, right? Sort of their cardiovascular health. So I, I mean, anytime there was a heavy bag, I always had, I had, I get a heavy bag for these clients and have them. Petty had it hit a heavy bag. Idol had a heavy bag. Stephen Stills had a heavy bag. Um, and then we would just do a lot of like, you know, little, little, um, I'm going to say like uh, hit training type routines for these folks on top of the, uh, just because I wanted to get them lean. I wanted to get them strong. I wanted their stamina, the heart, lungs and legs to be strong while also looking aesthetically good. And then, and then later on, just for me personally, I, you know, I still like having a decent looking body, but I'm, I'm more about health and wellness now. I mean, you know, that is as, I would say it went from 80% looks, 20% health, and it's flip-flopped now. Mm. You know, it's more about, you know, 80% that, and then looking good. Yeah, I mean, today I supersetted some bicep curls with two other guys, which was like, you know, we're doing 10 reps, put it down, 10 heavier, 10, right? You know, that's, hey, nothing about health and wellness there. It's all about that, you know what I mean? So it's, it still exists, but, and that's what I try to do with clients. And a lot of my, you know, I don't train anybody. I don't train one-on-one -on -one anymore. I mean, every once in a while, somebody will, call me up and I'll, I'll do somebody else a favor, but um, yeah, that's how I train. That's why I think this new program, the power of four is mildly similar to P90X in that there's, you know, P90X, we had this thing called muscle confusion, which is a made up term that came from Billy Idol. Billy Idol used to call me muscle Confucius. Oh, he would do this whole thing. Oh, muscle Confucius today. What do we have? You know what I mean? And so, um, and then from that term, I was like, oh, let's call it muscle confusion, which is basically like a form of what Jack Lane was doing, which was something called periodization training. Um, you know, just working on the body parts that you didn't crush the day before. You know what I mean? Like let some parts heal while you do other parts so that you can always be, you can always be active and exercising five to seven days a week. I mean, I'll work out 19 days in a row, but some workouts are at 50. Like today's workout was mellow. My shoulders and arms routine until until, you know, sort of the cobwebs were coming off. And then toward the end, uh, we went after it. But the first half of today's workout was like, let's lift some weights and be mellow and do some flies and whatever, you know, do like a 15 second handstand, you know, throw that in once in a while. Um, I just, I just listen to what I need more. I mean, I have a, I have a general plan and I walk into the room and, and the same thing, like when I, when I created the power four, like I gave people, I gave them stop options which never existed in any fitness program ever. You know what I mean? Oh, it's an hour and 10 long. You can stop at 20 minutes. You can stop at 40 minutes. Just stop and go to the end and, and do the cool down because that's all you can handle. That's all you have time for that. You know what I mean? I don't want you to overtrain. I don't want you to undertrain. Um, and then, and then I have, you know, I have um, powering up and powering down. Like, you know, today I feel strong. I'm going to get after it a little bit. I'm going to go deeper and do more reps. I'm going to do more range of motion, all that kind of thing. Or I'm going to power down because I understand that that's better than doing nothing. You know what I mean? And, and just common sense, you know, I mean, that's why, I'm, you know, as a 64 year old in a little while, I'm relatively unscathed. You know, I got a little sciatic thing going right now that bums me out, but that, you know, these things happen probably because I ran seven miles too fast the other day. Oops. Um, you know, whatever, but I got a massage at three o'clock, baby. And he's going to get in there and just grind away. You know, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> 
why hopefully you'll you'll enjoy that um i definitely want to get into a little bit more about p90x and some of the programs later on before i got to it though i did want to ask you i think one of the things i've noticed about you over the years and i think sometimes people mistakenly assume that the way a person is it's just oh they're born that way that's just them would you say did you make like a conscious effort to work on how you presented yourself to others and and was that really important in in your success well the reading and writing and arithmetic that i got from school only took me so far you, you know i mean um it's important that i know how to read and write <laughs> everything else just seemed like a waste of my time yeah. i don't you know it's not like i'm using algebra recently you know what i mean and i think i think most kids would benefit more uh, kind of based on their interests, whether whether it's art or, or science or music or, you know, starts, you know, get kids through the basics. But then, you know, I, don't, I never took a school. I, I never I never took a class in school. I didn't even know they were available on how just to become a very uh, uh, high functioning human being in the real world. And that all came, I think, the summer between my junior and senior year when I read my first personal development book. You know, like, what is this thing? I think mean, it was this thick little, um, I think it was called Looking Out for Number One. I can't even tell you what the author was. And the next book was the same author called Your Erroneous Zones, which was like a weird thing. And I just fell in love with these books because there was all this intel that I had never, I had never heard before. I didn't get it from my parents, didn't get it from school. It just, you know, a lot of it had to do with finances. A lot of it had to do with, with, with relationships. You know, some of it, a little bit here and there, had to do with, with health and wellness and diet. You know, and I was like, where the hell was all this when I was between first and 12th grade? It didn't exist. You know what I mean? And I think for a lot of people in certain parts of the country, it still doesn't exist. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of times they're getting this intel too late. And because their heels are so, you know, ground into their their way of thinking, it's like, ah, what's wrong with pizza? Why can't I have a Dr. Pepper? And ah, that's stupid. I, I got to eat sprouts now and steamed vegetables. You know what I mean? Like people have these really myopic viewpoints on on how to live a healthier and happier life, you know, but some people, some people go, you know what, what I'm doing ain't working. So this Tony Horton guy, he looks like he's doing pretty good for an old man. Um, maybe I'll listen to him for a bit or some other trainer or some other technique or method or, or strategy. You know, there's, there's a lot out there. You just have to gravitate to something and stick to it, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I just, it, without, they're all back here, man. There's a lot of them here. They're here, here. And there's another bookshelf over there. You can't see. Um, and I just, you know, I'm just a bit of a reader. I mean, I, there's a book here that I finished recently. Where are you, man? You know, like this book, this book changed me right away. Spark the revolutionary science of exercise in the brain. John Rady's book. John Rady has become a friend. He spoke at one of my Paragon experiences. He saw me, my sister took a picture of me reading his book on the beach and he found me. And uh, I used to be a three to four day a week guy and thought that was okay. And then when you read this book, you go, no, 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 no. Um, you know, most people are in survival mode. They're doing all these things all the time, very consistently, the sleeping and the eating and the paying of the bills and the, and, and the, and the mortgages. And, you know what I mean? And they're surviving and they're still getting, you know, they're still out of shape and everything else. And he taught me that the foundation of who we are as human beings has got to be a regular exercise. And that's got to be five to seven days a week. And so I just don't miss days anymore because before I was like, why am I so moody? Maybe I'm bipolar. No, I'm, I'm benefiting from the norepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin, brain-derived nootropic factor from days when I exercise, but 24 hours later, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't work out that day. And then like, why am I in a bad mood? Why do I feel like, it's because you should have been working out that day too, right? So the more you do, the better you get. You know, if you're doing things sporadically, if you're working out three days a week, that means there's more days off than there are on. And you're probably getting 12, 13 days in a month. Try to go to work. 12 days out of a month, try to eat 12 days out of a month, try to sleep 12 days out of a month, you're gonna have some problems. So if you want to thrive, instead of survive, then you do this thing all the time. This book breath, which has been out, you know, not that long, uh, James Nestor's book breath. I mean, because of this book, I take my mouth every night before I go to bed. I take medical tape and I go wham. Because my wife loved that. <laughs> Right. So I had sort of a mild sleep apnea. I'm not saying the tape cured it, but what happens is when you shut that down, you got to use this amazing conch shell called your sinus. Um, and now I have more energy and I don't have my, my, my breath isn't bad anymore and all kinds of really good things. So I'm a big fan of learning from experts and just doing what they say. And, uh, 
Uh, and then eventually, you know, uh, after getting certified and, and looking into, you know, various, I'm a, I've been vegan for over a year. I've, I've been a vegan since March. I tried two other times. It was too much, you know, gluten-free pretzels and not enough vegetables. Uh, so, and I don't have inflammation in my knees and my shoulder anymore. Mm, wow. You know what I mean? And I'm, do I miss the steak? Yeah. But I mean, my wife had some steak the other day and and she, it was medium rare and she cut it open and she stuck it in my face and I ate it. You know what I mean? I was in Jackson hole and there was wild salmon on the menu. So I ate it. So I'm not pious about this stuff, right? I'm 98% plants and every once in a while, screw it. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of where I live and that seems to be working for me. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, I get Tony, I think again, you just proved uh, walking through that. I think you're, you're always somewhat of a, almost not, not a step ahead, but you're, you're just always like pushing people to just evolve, like you had said. And I think that you're be, because you're so relatable and you present such a good image. I think that it becomes really, really important and people definitely will do what you uh, do things and try things that you're saying. So, so P90X, how did it come about? Well, um, uh, when I was running around town and I was training all these people, um, you know, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was going to different acting classes, scene study classes. I was a member of, of second city LA. You know, everybody knows about second city, Chicago. It went under after about a year. I was, you know, attempting stand-up comedy with some friends of mine, um, doing like little crappy gigs and little cafes and funky parts of town. And that was just something I thought I would end up doing eventually. I just thought I'd be a, a, an actor or a performer of some kind or a, or a comedian, or I don't know, you know, I mean, the training thing was this really great way to make some money and hang out with, with you know, superstars and, and movie stars and rock stars and stuff. So I was kind of living in two different worlds. So I was honing this skill um, that thickened my skin, that improved the, the, the quality of my, my, the way I disseminate things, you know, working on being a bit of a wordsmith. You know, what I mean, that's important when you're working with Tom Petty or Billy Idol or something. You have to yeah, you have to be relatable. You know, what I mean, and I already had a built-in sense of humor based on all my insecurities as a kid. You know, and I had that. You know, and I was I worked really hard at overcoming my speech impediment. That every once in a while, when I'm kind of fired up or tired, it'll come out. Um, I've even I've even had it happen to me on stage, and then I do I have a whole predetermined bit that I do when it happens, so that I can get a laugh, so I can get back to what I was saying. Um, and that just, you know, when you're reading somebody else's words or you're writing comedy or you're doing improv in front of a, an audience of 500 people and you're having to, right? I mean, being a trainer is relatively simple. Um, uh, so, you know, so I was doing that. And then, you know, then there was this client of mine that was going to hire this young guy by the name of Carl Deichler out of Philly. And Carl was a go-getter and he was very ambitious and he was very bright and he had a lot of great ideas. And, um, and then, you know, I was training this client and then he introduced me to Carl and then Carl would kind of jump into some of these workouts and we just hit it off right away. And we went on ski trips together and we went, you know, and hung out with, other, with mutual friends and just having fun. And so Carl worked for this client of mine who was kind of a big shot. He was basically the, 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 the I think it was a lead attorney for this infomercial company and Carl began to work for them. And so Carl was doing infomercials for stupid things like pantyhose that don't run and, and at home LASIK eye surgery. I made that one up. Um, and then, you know, and then Carl, Carl started out in fitness when he was Philly, he created uh, eight minute abs. That was his thing. And so like, who's this guy out of Philly? Nobody's having that kind of success outside of New York or, or LA. So they just gobbled him up and they brought him to LA. And he said, Hey, it sounds like, you know, cause Guffy Renker was the company. He said, I'll do that. And then at some point, you know, this is the long winded story, but Carl, Carl told my client, he said, uh, hey, man, I want to do fitness. And then, you know, at that point, Carl and I were hanging out for quite some time. So we did this little thing on the side. I don't know. Carl raised some money. It was called um, Great Body Guarantees. It was great abs guaranteed, great arms guarantees, great, great. Car, whatever it was and it, whatever he paid me two grand or something which was good like i'll take that two thousand dollars and i developed these 15 or 20 minute routines we ran out of money we were in a gym ran out of money and then we would go to the beach and throw some mats out on the beach and without permits we would shoot the rest of it out, out in the fog and on, on, on a 
on a June day. And, um, and that was just to me another job, you know, I mean, like all the other ones I had. And it ended up doing pretty well, which in the infomercial industry, that's, you know, that's rare because there's so many of these products that come and go and you never see them again. Um, and so at that point, Carl said, well, I think I'm going to raise some more money based on the success of what we did. Uh, uh, we want to kind of go next level. And then Carl said, like, what are the sequences that you do with Petty and Idol and Springsteen and all these guys? Like, how do you get them in great shape? And I kind of explained the thing. He goes, can you recreate that in front of a television with maybe some dumbbells and bands? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And it was called Power 90, and uh, which was pre-P90X. And so I lived in a three-bedroom apartment. It used to be two. And then I took on the, the studio next door. I thought, this is it. You know, I'm going to live here the rest of my life. But it was in a bad part of town. My cars got broken into all the time, but it was rent control. So whatever. I, I didn't really assume that I'd ever get any further than that. And then Power 90 went out. And at that point, I had... I had royalties, which I had never had before. Carl's like, you know, let me give you some royalties and give you a percentage. And, you know, you're the guy creating this thing. And it blew up. I mean, it blew up. I mean, not P90X big, but but I paid off all my credit cards. I had about six or six, six or eight of them that were maxed out. <laughs> and then I was just, I was, you know, I was putting money in the bank and, you know, whatever. And I had enough money to buy a five bedroom house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. I didn't have any furniture. I didn't have any. So I lived in this big old house with no furniture. And uh, oh, mortgage, this is a nightmare every month. But the royalty checks were still coming in. It was all very doable. And then it was a decision, like, what should we do next? And I mean, to, to Carl's credit, he said, let's let's do something harder than Power 90. Let's just take it up a notch. And he wanted to do sort of a mastery program that was like just six routines. You do this every other day, you do the same thing and you get better at it and track. And I go, no, nah, man. And we had a whole discussion about it. We even made a, a little documentary about it. I said, we need to double it. We need to have 12 with martial arts, with an app specific thing, with, with a full on Hatha hour and a half yoga. And it's like, what? But he trusted me, man. And so he gave me almost eight or nine months to develop it. And we shot it thinking we were gonna sell, you know, a couple, because who the hell wants to work out that hard that long every day? And the first year it didn't do anything. I mean, it's just the sales were really dead, but we were so proud of what it was. And we just thought it was so unique that we kept changing the offer. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Three payments of this and four payments of that <laughs> or 1995 or 2995. And then finally, this is right at the advent of the internet. I mean, the internet was new and people were doing, you know, were shooting on VHS tapes, the, the, you know, the, the footage of what they were doing and they were taking before and after pictures that we weren't even asking for. And then we used that, those before and after photos and the video of them doing the routines we, we took out all the test group stuff and we put real people in there and forget it, man. It was, it was, uh, the royalty checks were, were uh, numbers I didn't know existed. You know what I mean? Wow. And so I got to put furniture in that house. I got to buy me a Mercedes Benz. And then I got to buy another house from Jackson hole. And then I got to put more money away. And it just, you know, it was free. It was wild. It was just really, it was Christmas every month. It was Christmas. You know what I mean? And so, because people were so dedicated and they loved it. And now here it is, you know, 20 years later and people are still doing it, man. They're doing P90X, P90X2, P90X3, 22 Minute Hardcore, all these programs over there at Beachbody. Now I left Beachbody four years ago. We just couldn't come to an agreement on the next contract, sadly. Kind of a weird way to treat me after all those years, but you know, business is business, man. So now I'm with, you know, I got my own supplement line, which I would have never gotten there called Power Life. I've got, I'm on tonal now. Um, I've got the number one and number two programs on tonal, which is like, you know, I'm still relevant after 300 years, which is amazing. That's an amazing product. It's from 2050. It's from the future. Other really tremendous trainers on that platform. Really fun going to, going to work for both these companies are just really amazing. And then we have the Power of Four, which is really a pet project for Sean and I. None of that, which I could have done with Beachbody because they were like, mm, you know what I mean? Here's what you're going to do and here's how you're going to do it. Okay. And here's what we're going to pay you. Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is too bad. It was a, an amazing run without them, without Carl. There's no way I'd be where I am. Um, so it was a blessing. But everything, like Tom, Bra Tom Brady doesn't play for the Patriots anymore, does he? Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? So people come and keep, be like, every time I watch the basketball season, it's like people are swapping. That's just, that's just life. That's just business. So um, I'm very blessed 63 going on 64 that people still want to have something to do with me. You know what I mean? Most people my age are retiring. I don't know what 64 feels like. It, it feels better than 34 most days. So I'm just going to keep on keeping on, you know? 
Yeah. And Tony, that leads right into the next thing I want to talk to you about. I mean, on, on the podcast, I talk a lot about mindset and the way we all as human beings, we react to adversity, right? Like we're not immune to it. Any of us, even, even somebody like you who's had a lot of success. I wanted to, could you talk a little bit about some of the adversity you recently were just faced with? Uh, I believe it was Ramsey Hunt syndrome, wasn't it? Mm, yep. Yeah. October, 2017 um, uh, was brutal. Very tough time for me. Probably the lowest of lows um, in my life. You know, when you're in the middle of it, though, you know, it's like the frog in the frying pan. You just you just deal. You know what I mean? You just you deal or you die. I felt like I was dying most days. You, you know, I mean, because I couldn't my vision, my smell, my taste and my balance were all affected all at once, all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so much for eating, so much for sleeping, so much for drinking, so much for exercise, so much for driving your car, so much for making a living. It was all about staying in bed and, and trying not to vomit all the time. You know what I mean, because it was this, this uh, Ramsey Hunt is basically shingles in your ear and there's the fifth, sixth and seventh nerves that are going into your brain that affect how you see things. Everything always smelled like secondhand smoke. It smelled like I was in a cigarette factory all the time, every day. My ears, you know what tinnitus or, or tendinitis or whatever the hell they pronounce it. Mm. Beep! Mm -hmm. <laughs> all the time all the time oh. and when i stood up the world was like this i mean like why just kill me man <sighs> horrible 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 it wasn't for my wife and all the king's horses and all the king's men they had a really tough time putting me back together again it's just one of those things that you just gotta suck it up do what you can do go to the you know the acupuncturist and the acupressurist and the and the otorhinolaryngologist and the physical therapist and, and getting dressed and getting into the car and then this the thing and the curves and the traffic and the light and the sounds. It was just, it was, I think it's, it, somebody described it to me, it's like you're overdosing all day for weeks on end. That's what it felt like constantly. And so blah, blah, you know, it's like chemo. It's like overdosing and chemo at the same time for weeks. <clears throat> and then, very <clears throat> subtly, week after week, month after month, mild improvements. Like I had Bell's palsy for like four to six weeks. So my whole right side of my face melted, was melted. I was like this guy, right? So I had to drink through a straw. This is terrible, dude. Um, and it was as a result of stress, stress, it's all around us, stress, war in Ukraine, stress, the pandemic, stress, political strife stress work stress traffic stress kids stress uh parental relationship spousal stress eh, all the time and for me you know it was i was going through the contract stuff with beach other like just i'm like oh my god this is over this is over wow um that was creepy and scary because that wave, you know, I mean, every wave comes to shore, right? And it was time for that one to come to shore with nothing else lined up. You know what I mean? I mean, thank God I had a year long contract where they were going to, they were paying me for like another nine months. I had nine more months. And so it was time to kind of hit the streets and find out. So that freaked me out because I just couldn't believe that was happening. Then I had friends that were at the Vegas shooting and, you know, that, and they were sitting there watching a show and people on the left and right of them were dying running for their lives. Like I just couldn't, I was just so, I wasn't there. They all survived, but I just, I don't know. I was trauma, traumatized by that. And then the following day after the Vegas shooting, Petty dies. I get the call. Tom's gone. Oh. <laughs> what is going on? And then I got a little headache and then I got a burning and then I started throwing up and then I got a, I got, you know, my ear looked like somebody hit me with a, with a shotgun. Uh, and then I was down bad for three months and then gradually for that first year i was not i wasn't very doing very well and it took uh you know here it is probably it'll in october it'll be five years um and i still have uh so after the ramsey hunt goes away and the shingles heal you're kind of stuck with fried nerves because nerves aren't like a cut or a bone right or whatever or a cold there's a predictable time frame in which those things will heal <clears throat> but nerves maybe Maybe never. Hard to tell. Can't say. Sorry, pal. So um, a lot of people who get Ramsey Hunt syndrome who still suffer from bilateral vestibular hypofunction, which is the Parkinsy thing inside of your head. Mm. Um, never get over that. Never, ever. 
And a lot of them, the Bell's palsy never goes away. And I just, like, if I could walk on the treadmill for five minutes, I would. If I could do two push-ups, I would. And quite, quite often, when I tried to do those things early on, I was down for the count. I was vomiting and going back to bed for six hours, eight hours in the middle of the day. It was just, um, it was hard. Um, so, yeah. But I mean, everything that I knew, I just kept applying it as much as I could. You know, like going to the, like, I remember going to the gym for the first time, like, okay, where I was actually going to do a routine. I think I could do like 15 push-ups and, and seven pull-ups. And I used to do 50 push-ups and, and 35 pull-ups, you know what I mean? So I had a good base, which was good, but I lost 25 pounds. So I lost a lot of muscle. Um, yeah, I looked pretty bad and I felt pretty bad, but you know, here I am, ta-da. And again, it just, I mean, it shows, right, Tony, you're definitely, none of us are immune to it. And the fact that you were able to work your way through it and to get back to where you are now, I think it, again, I try to, I try during with the podcast. I love to have people on to try to give people hope if they're going through things. So I think that story there, definitely, it gives people hope. So I think that's, it's fantastic. And I look to somebody like you, who's been successful, been through that as strong as you are, and you still had to deal with it. So a lot of it does, it comes down to our mindsets. So, well, you know, at my core, I'm lazy. I'm a procrastinator. I love eating garbagey food. Um, I, if I didn't have people show up here at my house, I would probably rarely work out. I mean, this is not, I'm not self-motivated at all. I have, these are all tricks. These are all stolen ideas from other people that I apply because the alternative is so horrible. I don't want to ever go back there again. You know what I mean? And it took decades to erase that guy. You know what I mean? To make that guy go, but that guy's the, that guy every once in a while, he'll pop up. But then there's so much knowledge and practice and discipline and work ethic that has kind of muted all that. Um, that always supersedes being the, the lazy procrastinator, you know, that wants to eat cake. <laughs> you know I, mean? I, I, I feel you there. My, uh, my kids used to call me the cookie monster years ago. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. A chocolate chip cookie, dude. I mean, yeah, whatever. But now I eat the gluten-free high fiber, blah, 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 blue ones. And they're that big, you know what I mean? They're yeah. tiny, tiny. Or they're, they're all plant-based, you know what I mean? And, and by the way, you need a release valve, right? You got all this discipline, but discipline creates so much pressure all the time. And so I'm eating clean breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm having a cookie. You know what I mean? And then you can go back to eating right, you know what I mean? Yeah, but some people are just, you know, they're on it 100%. Right. I mean, there are people that are more disciplined than I am and, and, uh, and eat cleaner than I do. And, and they're boring. Yeah. I, you know, I, I always tell people now about the cookie monster comment, you know, one of the best things for me about it is now when the cookies are gone, I don't get accused. Everybody always knew <laughs> when they were gone, it was me. So that's the one benefit. Good um, for you, dude. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, Tony, hearing all that, I love to ask people this, especially, you know, really successful people. Um, you say yourself, you're not self-motivated. You look to others for motivation, things like that. Um, I feel besides motivation, it's really important for all of us to have a why. What, for you, what's, what's your why? Why do you continue to do the things you do? Well, one is very selfish and one is very selfless. Um, I, I hate to see other people struggle with the same, same things I used to struggle with. And I've seen, I've, I have partake, partaken, I have, yeah, in all the steps to how to go from point A to point Z, I guess. And I love to be able to share that. And I share that with the power of four. I shared it with P90X. I share it with my books. I share it with my live events here at my house. You know, anybody who will listen, who wants to come here and, and I, and, you know, and then when I see people, I will actually observe or witness people improving before my eyes surely based on a little conversation or learning how to do an exercise right or or giving them a strategy on how to eat better you know what i mean or to quit a bad habit and and then the, the you know i got to my my friend whose name i won't say cuz doesn't well my people know who i hang out with he struggled with with booze a little bit and you know he was an active guy had a good metabolism worked out fairly regularly but he just didn't look look and feel the way he wanted i just said give up the hooch for 30 days just give it up 
So you can, I mean, come on, you're a grown man. Nobody else puts that stuff in your mouth other than you. You're the one, your hand, your mouth, let's go 30 days. And 30 days later, it was hard. I mean, it was hard. You could tell he would always like, oh my God, I was there with a club and I'm having club soda. All my friends are having a good time. And I go, you're already a good time. Why do you need to be more of a good time? And then you feel like crap the other day and you look in the mirror and you look like crap too there. So it's math, man. Like, and now his buddies still give him a hard time, but he's, you know, he's, he's five months into this lifestyle and he's shredded. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it just fell off. All that garbage just fell off of him. And so when I can have that kind of influence on people, that is, that's number one, dude. That's the selfless part. My purpose is to help other people find theirs. And with that comes a joy, happiness that, that doesn't exist without it, right? Um, a better connection to other people, willingness to kind of try things they've never done, travel more. All these different things start happening to people that they would never do if they're overweight and they're overwhelmed. You know what I mean? It's just different. The other one is, is I like nice things. I like to go to Jackson Hole. I like new skis. I'd like to have my car is six years old, but I mean, you know, it's a nice car. So I keep it. It's only got 27,000 miles on it. But I mean, I like, you know, I mean, my wife and I are looking at a ranch in Wyoming. I mean, I like to work my ass off because I didn't have any of that stuff growing up. I didn't have anything nice until I was 42 years old. Hmm. You know what I mean? When I started working and making some decent money, I mean, I was hand to mouth. I lived in the same apartment for 21 and a half years. And I looked at a convalescent home and I just thought, well, I wonder if I'll just end up there in the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like reasonable. Um, I was hoping it wouldn't, and, but very much, very well could have. And so I just keep busting my butt. Um, but my, my reason why my purpose is, is um, true. You know what I mean? It's not to make, I'm not working at the nuclear reactor. I'm not making bombs. I'm not making porn. You know what I mean? I'm not, you know, I'm not abusing uh, people at work. You know what I mean? I'm not some bonehead who's just making it for the bread. You know what I mean? I have a, I have a cool job where I get to do cool things and when I help people feel better about themselves. So in the meantime, you know, I just want to get paid for it. And um, um, so I don't, I, mean, I still, to this day, have dreams where everything I have is gone and I live in that apartment again. I'm back in that apartment four times a month in a dream like, oh no, <sighs> look, what? Oh no, I can't believe I'm back in this freaking apartment broke with a broken down car, dude. It's like, <gasps> wake up in a sweat. You know what I mean? Um, because as an entrepreneur, as somebody who is a hired gun, um, I don't know whether Tono is going to hire me again. I, you know, like they want to pay me X, my contract's up. I want more. They might say no. Oops. Or, you know, the supplement line, maybe, you know, they'll, somebody will sue us because it has, you know, prohydrolase in it and they're allergic. And then I have to go to, you know what I mean? It's really scary. And mm. then the power of four, the employees that I have to pay, the jobs that they have to do, the insurance I'm developing, I'm developing a program where people are going to do it home on their own, lifting heavy things and doing things that could create cause injury. Um, you know what I mean? And what if they sue me? It's, it, it's stressful, man. It's stressful, <laughs> stressful as hell. So, you know, that's why there's mindfulness in my life. I mean, that's one thing about getting sick in, in 2017. I meditate all the time now. I mean, I, or I do breath exercises. Some of them are meditation ish, but they're, 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 you know, it's hard to tell the difference between a, a meditation and a breath exercise because breathing is part of both. Right. Um, but I do them when I'm a little freaked out or I have pain somewhere. doesn't seem like it, that should do anything. Why would that do anything? I'm breathing all the time. <laughs> right. But you know, my mind is flying around. The idea is to use breath as a means to shut this off or at least attempt to shut this off because it's, it's the stress, the external forces are causing this to work overtime to either worry or freak out or have anxiety or depression or sadness, or maybe the, the conundrum of finding solutions for the external sources. So the breath is an internal source to help alleviate the stress. But most people will grab cigarette, caffeine, whatever, porn, whatever they're into to sort of, uh, you know, temporarily relieve it. When in reality, oxygen, I mean, the idea is to use the whole lung, lungs, right? We're breathing here. <laughs> you know, the bottom half, the reason that COVID, dust, 
dirt, disease lives down here because nobody's doing those deep, full bottom of the lungs breaths. They haven't taken a deep breath since, you know, they were being chased, you know what I'm saying? So this let's mindfulness is a key part of my life now that didn't exist pre pre Ramsey hunt, you know? Yeah. Well, Tony, I mean, when back to, to your why I'm so glad of your, your selfless part. I mean, I just, for myself, my wife also, Cindy, like we both obviously we utilized a lot of what you have taught and it, it, it just, you know, I'm, I want to thank you. I mean, it helped us immensely. I mean, my wife is down 83 pounds at this point. Uh, yeah, she's killing it. Um, wow. I was, I, I was, I was 267 pounds and, you know, I was on, you know, all kinds of, you know, three different medications and now no medication fit. And it's, you know, things like things like P90X and people like you that are, I, I just, you're, transforming people and helping people it's amazing mm. um so definitely thanks for that uh wow man great good for you dude. just want to ask at this point would you change anything how far back do you want me to go you know this is my journey man this is who you know i mean if it was going poorly you know i mean if i was in a position right here right now i mean sure there were bumps in the road and there were probably things that i could have done to mitigate them to some degree uh I, you know i always wonder well i'd be more successful if and still i would be you know but i don't want to stress myself if that if i work harder and i do more will that create a higher level of stress it will create ramsey hunt too mm. you know what i mean so for me yeah there's probably some things like for i, I hire some people who aren't very good i need to fire them sooner you know what i mean instead of keeping them around stuff like that those are things that I, mistakes that I make. I, I, my biggest thing is I'm, 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 you know, having gone through what I've gone through, having gone from a, you know, a C minus two was a speech impediment that was the laziest guy in the world who loved to procrastinate to the guy I am now. I don't, I can't assume that everybody's had that journey, but I mean, when I see, when I look back and I go, it's not that hard, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, but for some people getting out of bed is hard, you know what I mean? Um, and people are just aren't wired like I'm wired. So I have to be more forgiving, but at the same time, if I've got you in my life and you're doing something for me and you're not knocking them out of the park, how long am I going to, how long am I supposed to keep you around? I, I, you know, that's my big thing. You know, my thing is to, and my, another issue for me is just communicating better for folks with folks. And this is what I do for a living communicating, but I'm, I've never been a boss. You know what I mean? And now I'm a boss before I was a hired gun with Beachbody for 25 years. Hey man, we want to do this. What do you think? Okay, cool. Uh, how long will it take to develop? Fine. Um, let's go through the rehearsal process. Let's go through the casting process. Let's go shoot it. Let's do some, you know, voiceover later, wherever, you know, that was needed. And then I'm done. And then the next project, it was the easiest thing in the world to do really. But now it's like, oh, wow, I got to do all this stuff myself. I got to hire these people and I got to pay these people. And with it, well, if it wasn't for my wife, Shauna, oh my God, it would not be going well. Um, so she's a rock star in my life. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But for the most part, yeah, life goes like this, ding, 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 ding. But you just hope that when it does this, it's kind of going that way as opposed to kind of going that way. You know what I mean? And most people after high school or college, right? No, it, it can do this too. You know what I mean? And that, that's where I'm at. So I'm happy with that. That's good, Tony. So now I want to give you a chance here for, for what you're doing now. I mean, is there your website, anything you want to tell people how, you know, what they should go to now to find some of the newer things you're looking at you're doing? Well, I like that. I got multiple websites. So everybody sit back, grab a pen or your, your voice memo on your phone. Um, you know, I've been working with Tonal for a while now, a couple of years and, and it's just an amazing product. It's just really, there's nothing like it. There's the mirror with the mirror. You got to bring your stuff, right? The tonal has these arms that go in every possible direction with all this science. They got flex mode and eccentric and chains mode and tracking and range. I mean, it's just all these trainers. It's just a, it's just something it, we don't compete with anybody. You know what I mean? And I think it's the reason why it's, it's the fastest growing fitness company in, in the country right now. It's beating the pants out of everybody else, which is lucky me, you know, that I'm on that platform. So, um, you know, check me out at tonal.com. Um, and uh, it's just, it's really an amazing fun. I mean, I'm right now at early stages of developing, I don't know how many this is for me, number eight 
um, for the platform, which is really cool. And then if you want to, you know, if you want, and you're, you're now a member of the Power of Four, go to powernationfitness.org, powernationfitness.org. And the first seven days are free and you go in there and you do workouts and you check it out and you, and you get to, you know, plan all the routines. And then there's masterminds and, and live workouts and stuff. And, and um, it's sort of our, you know, the project that Sean and I put together, we got a very, you know, a skeleton crew that handles, uh, we're on new screen and the streaming platform there are you know, we're on we're on uh, apple tv and fire tv and and all the streaming services so we, we have an app and you can get the app and do it that way or you know do it on the site uh, powernationfitness.org um and then power life is mypowerlife.com mypowerlife.com and the protein powders there's whey and there's chocolate i'm sorry there's chocolate and vanilla whey and plant-based so there's variety, variety, variety. Uh, our whey uh, protein is from Irish cows. They're not from English cows or Bre Brazilian cows or American cows or Russian, definitely not Russian cows. Yeah, the hell with those cows. Um, and it's because it's it's just, there's there's no pesticides and garbage on there on what they eat somehow. I don't know where they are, but they're in some magical place. Mm. And then the plant base is all like mung beans and sunflower seeds and, and pumpkin seeds and... Uh, and I'm the plant-based guy. So, and then we have thing called, thing called foundation four, which if you have any kind of leaky gut or gut issues or irritable bowel syndrome or bloating or gas or blah, 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 you know, it's magnesium, it's, it's potassium, it's um, um, sun fiber, it's probiotics, prebiotics, two servings of vegetables. It's just this amazing, you know, and I both of the, all that every day. And then we have performance, which is a pre-workout formula. And then we have sort of the, the, fruit version of foundation four called phytonutrients, which is all, all fruit-based super nutrients. And then we have other SKUs, you know I me mean, for digestion, for weight loss, for blah, blah, blah. So there's 12, there's three new ones coming, which is really cool. Uh, um, an electrolyte formula, um, a anti-inflammatory bomb, which is really cool. It's a topical thing, obviously. And uh, just, you know, we're, and then we're looking at bars, you know, bars are tricky because, you know, they only have a, a, a shelf life of so long. So you got to come up with something that that is all natural, no crap in it, you know, organic and all that kind of thing. So that's a little trickier, but somebody's banging out my yard. I don't know, I'm dying to know who, who that is. Um, but uh, so mypowerlife.com. And, um, um, and then last but not least is, uh, is my website, which is tonyhortonlife.com, tonyhortonlife.com. And that's just everything. So you can go right there and get it all right there especially all the live events. Like if you had known about that, you could have come to Paragon uh, two weeks ago. We had people from all over the world that were here, five-day event. Um, it was supposed to be our last one, but mm -hmm. it was so amazing. And people were so, you know, taken aback by how, how much it changed them that that's just like, man, maybe we'll have another one at the end of the year or, or, or early 2023, hard to say. Um, but then we do, we have our, we have our ski, ski uh, retreat every year in Jackson hole. So if you're a skier or a snowboarder, or I'm not a skier or a snowboarder, just come and you become one uh, in the end. Uh, there's a great story of this guy, huge Japanese gentleman. He just wanted to do the yoga. And I go, what are you going to do all day? Because we do yoga in the morning. We do yoga at the ski. What are you going to, I don't know. I'll kind of walk around town. Mm -mm. So I put him with one of the best uh, ski instructors in Jackson hole. And now he's a full blown skier skis diamonds and four years wow. later. So it's a very transformational, but it's not, it's not super intense. It's just mellow in the morning, mellow after skiing, and then just having fun and eating and skiing in a beautiful place, Jackson Hole, if you haven't been there. So sign up for that because we always typically sell out of that one. I mean, it won't be till next January. So this time, mm -hmm. that's me, man. That's all me. All and place. I will, I will look to include in the description, a lot of links you just mentioned, make it easy for people to, uh, to click on them. So, uh, that'll be, that'll be good. Uh, please, please check out Tony, a uh, lot of great stuff and I can attest to it. I've done a lot of it firsthand myself, um, doing it currently. So it's great. And Tony, I did, I just wanted to tell you too, with you on the line, when I started this podcast back in January, I, uh, as a goal, I made a, what I call a someday list. And on that list is people that I said, someday I'm going to interview that person. You are the first person from that list that I've been able to interview. So I want to, I want to thank you for that. Cause I mean, for me, one of the most generous gifts people can give is their time. 
And I can't thank you enough for agreeing to give a guy like me just starting out an opportunity to speak with you. So for that, I am definitely sincerely grateful. So thank you. My pleasure, man. And, you know, I, we got, a, you know, you got a good review. So my people kind of looked into who you were and, and the kind of podcast that you have and, and thought it would be a good mix. And, uh, and, you know, I had some time today. And so I, I, you know, we sussed you out as they say, and, and, uh, and, and it proved right, man, you're a good man and, uh, good, good questions. You didn't cut me off and talk about yourself. There's too many podcasts where it becomes more about the interviewer than the interviewee, which is like, whatever. See, obviously they're not ready for the, for prime time yet, but dude, you're, it's a, it was a lot of fun. So, so yeah, thank you. Thank I appreciate you. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. What, they don't want to hear about me. They want me to, they want to hear about what you guys can tell them all my guests. So that's, that's definitely great. So everyone, cool. please check out Tony Horton. I mean, if you haven't heard him come out from under the rock, you've been living under and seek him <laughs> out because it is worth it and it will change your life. So, thanks this has been Take the care. bare essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember never hibernate on your goals. 